You're listening to Pastor Greg Voorhees as he leads the 9 a.m. Sunday School class at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church on Sunday, February 26, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or find them on all things social at svbcfamily. I am determined that we are going to get through the introduction today. Are you sure? I can't swear to it. Yep, I'm going to try to get through the the introduction, but we'll go ahead and pray, and we'll we'll dig into our dig into our questions there. Father, come to you in Jesus' name, God. I just ask that you just be with us as we continue our our study here. God, I just ask that you have your way and that we learn what you want us to learn. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Now, kind of where we left off last week was uh, page 19. We were just getting to the questions. Give you half a second to get to page 19. Now, the questions in the introductions would be pretty elementary for this crowd. We're still going to go through them, though. Okay, question one says this. How familiar are you with the Bible and it's two major divisions, the Old Testament and the New Testament. What, if any, do you think of or expect from them? So, so how well do you know these, these? How well do you know your Bible? What do you expect from it? It is your Bible. We expect from it? Yeah, what do you, what do you, yeah. It's, what do you expect from them, the Testaments? That's probably that's probably a slightly different question. What do you expect out of the Old Testament? Let's let's, let's the, law. the law. How it pointed. Yeah. And the reason. Those are those are those are good expectations because they are absolutely there. Uh, I mean that is that is the that is the theme of the Old Testament. You, you know. Yes, the pointing the pointing of the Messiah, but there are some really cool things in there. I mean, the law is one of them that teaches us they're right from wrong. There's a lot of cool stories. I mean, if you're if you're an adventure person and you like stories, if you like war stories and adventure stories, I mean, it's all there. But the thing that's interesting is it's not just stories; it's history. You, you know, it's 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 real stuff. So, how about the? That's a very good point. The Old Testament does teach us how God interacts with us in that way. You know, how, how situations that we certainly couldn't begin to understand, you, you, know, you know, why things are going the way they are. You know, the Old Testament shows us how God worked those things through. You, you know, one of, the things that, one of the things I think is really interesting, too, is, is, is uh, um, Jacob. The, the, uh, of course, we know, you know Jacob was... You know, he was a, kind of a sly fox, and he, and, but, and it never even occurred to me, you, you know, until, until Eric did his uh, Hanukkah thing, and he was talking about, I, I, I never really realized Israel meant, you know, I fight with God. You, you know, so basically before that, Jacob was basically someone who fought against God, and, and then he, God changed his name to being somebody who, who fought with God. He, you know, and, and that was quite a process that he went through. 
you, you know, and that's, that's, that's true with all of everyone in the Old Testament. We, we really see how God, how when we fail, how sometimes how he works through those failures and turns them into good things and, and turns them into his glory. The Old Testament's full of that stuff. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And that's something we see in the New Testament, which, which too, kind of the, um, kind of that fleshing out too. So, so what is our expectation of the New Testament? Our, our expectation of the New Testament. What do we, what do we expect to get in the New Testament? Obedience, grace. I think the thing that jumps out for me is Jesus. You know, that's that's my biggest expectation of the New Testament is is the life of Christ. You, you know, and 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 Christ and Paul together, you know, kind of interpreting the law for us in, in a new covenant light. You, you know, and and that's uh, that, that's kind of a cool thing that. None of that stuff. <coughs> excuse me. None of that stuff was new. That, that's the thing. That, that's why I think it's kind of they call it the New Testament. It's kind of it's kind of deceiving because there's nothing new in the New Testament other than it's the history part is newer than the history. The, the law is finished and it's time of grace. The new way. Yeah. And that's just it, though. The, the laws. The law is still, uh, it's, it's still there. Now, a very good point there, though, is now the expectation through the New Testament is we see who pays the punishment for our sins. You know, because before, it's to escape, you know, the punishment. I mean, there were lambs and goats and bulls and all these animals that were being sacrificed and they were dying. And, and, and it was still costly to the person. Even though it didn't, even though it wasn't taken out on them individually, I, I mean the the animals were costly to the person. With Christ, he, he, the whole cost was heaped on God. Uh, I, I mean, it was God, God taking on the the whole wrath of His own law. You, you know, we didn't have to pay. We did not have to pay anything for our redemption. It, it's the only thing we have to do is. Accept it, you know. Believe, you know. Ask Christ in our heart. You know the punishment. You know we don't have to save up and care for a lamb anymore. You know to be sacrificed, to be forgiven for sin every single year. You know it's Jesus. Jesus, he 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 took care of all of that. So the expectation is that grace. That, that expectation is, you know that 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 freedom from wrath because because Christ has taken that upon Himself. You know, and that's so. The expectations, even though the law is the same, and 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 everything Jesus talked about, you know, was the law interpreted correctly because the Pharisees weren't even translating or interpreting it correctly. You know, what's one of the what's one of the big mess ups in in, in the way the law was or the the Old Testament was being interpreted. You know, the Pharisees were saying that this, this Messiah was going to be a man of war, <coughs> and he was going to deliver. He was going to deliver their people from a physical oppressor. You know, so we see errors. 
in, in the interpretation of the Pharisees. You, you know, but that's but you know Jesus, Jesus like no, that's not, that was never the plan. You know, this is the real plan. He is he is the fulfillment of the law. He's he's not but it doesn't the law doesn't end because he doesn't end. That that fulfillment that that fulfillment that he that he brought, that's eternal. He, you know, so there all that stuff that's in the law, it's it's still it's still true. Yes, absolutely. Do you have something, Bill? Yes. God shed his light now upon the law so we understand better. <clears throat> thinking that way anyway, so we understand better. Now this light we see a new vision of what God has in store for us the future. Hmm? In Christ said, you know, they had to they had to pay for their sacrifices. The sacrifice of Christ the gift. No strings. Yeah, and I, I think the most people, I would say probably 95% of Christians perceive the Old Testament as being a very dark thing. The I'm, pro, I'm probably one of the few exceptions of that, and, and the, reason, the reason being, and this is all perception. This, this isn't me being right, you being wrong. This is, this is a perception thing. When I look at the Old Testament... I, I see the beauty of redemption because it doesn't it doesn't matter how bad the, the Hebrew people messed up. And, and I mean they they worked really, really, really hard at, at doing the wrong thing all the time, but God always brought them back. God always brought them back. He was always pursuing them. He, you know, the the wars occur, yes, wars occurred. He, you, you know, but the you know, did you know enslavement occur? Enslavement, all these things happened. But God was always taking care of His people. God was always, always bringing them back to a place. Even the, even the the, the exiles. And and I know I stress this a lot, but I mean it's it, it's something I can't. It, it's it's big in my head. As bad as the exiles were, God was still teaching His people something that, to this day. You, you, you know, is, is a lesson that's is burned in the heart of most most Jewish people. I have not seen idol worship anywhere in the history of the Jewish people since the exile. You, you know, so God showed them something very. They honor His name to this day. If you read a book written by a Jewish scholar, they don't even write the word G O D out if it's a capital G because they say that it's it's His His name is too holy. You know, so you'll see a G, a dash, and a D. So when you see that, 
that's usually a, a Jewish writer because they, they, they won't even spell out God if it's in the context of his name. You, you know, so I, I see God teaching his people these, these sometimes hard lessons, but, but he's bringing them to such a beautiful place into a relationship with him where there's such honor going on both, you know, where they're honoring him for who he is. And, 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 and the dark side of, of the Old Testament so often is the result of our choices, the people's choices. You know, that, that was just kind of, you know, the whole book of ju- um, the Judges we were talking about. No, and Barbara caught me on something last week. I didn't realize Deborah was not the first judge. But she, Samson was definitely the last one. I was right about that one. The, uh, the whole book of Judges, it's, it's them messing up, God drawing them back. And messing up, in the book of Judges, it's kind of like it's it's like a small version of what the entire Old Testament is. You know, just just his people rebelling and, and him rescuing them. And and the thing that's really too that's really beautiful about the Old Testament is there's there's a side story that's going along the entire time. Not only do we have him rescuing his people. And the way the, the, the one Bible study that we, we did last time, he talked about the upper story and the lower story, and I didn't really care for that. I, I kind of get where it applies here. We see this lower story thing where, where God is, is constantly dealing with the Hebrew people and drawing them back, but we see this parallel story of where he's also leading Messiah you know, to the spot where these two, the juxtaposition of these two things, where they intersect. And now all of a sudden, not only is he saving them for eternity, now he's saving us. Too, you know. So it's, it's, it's. I think it's a beautiful story. Uh huh. Why is it? It's always that the Jews were. The Why weren't all his judges? Well, which we all, I understand. Well, there's a there's people write books on theories on that. So, so I mean, that's not a simple answer. There's there's a there's a piece of it that is. You know, mere election. You know, God, God has He's sovereign; He can choose. However, if we look at how did the Jewish people even become to, into existence, it was because of His relationship with Abraham. You, you know, so so what we see in, in, in His and and we we see God honoring His relationships with people. He made a promise to Abraham. That, that I'm, I'm going to bless the world uh, through your descent. They're going to outnumber the, you know, the stars. And, and of course, and there's also a degree of, in, in my belief, there's, there's also a degree of, one of the reasons that they were so separate is, is through the entire Old Testament, God was protecting the bloodline of Christ. You, you know, so I, I think that's something that we can't just kind of blow over. That God chose to bring the Messiah through the, the line of Abraham, and, and God, through his election and his sovereignty, kept them separate and protected through the entire period of until Christ came. And then when Christ came, that, that protection, that, that separation was no longer needed. And that's why Paul says, now there's no Greek, no Gentile, there's no male, no female. We are all one in Christ. So those barriers that, were, that used to be there, and, and they, were, they were for a purpose. They were separate for a purpose. You know, and, and, and I used to be really offended 
earlier in my Christian walk by this whole thing that was first to the Jew and then to the Gentiles, like this, you know, God look at us as second class citizens. I, I mean, that was always my, my the question in the back of my head. It, it, am I less than a Jewish person because it's first to the Jew and then to the Gentile? Oh, absolutely not, because Jesus died just as much for me as he did the Jewish people. But, but he did it through honoring his relationship with his friend Abraham and protecting the, 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 line, the bloodline of the Messiah. There was a, a, a separation there, and there was, there, 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 was a, there was a difference between them and us at, at, up until the, you know, Christ came. But now we're, those, those barriers are gone, and that's one of those expectations of the New Testament. There's no longer the... We can still say first to the Jew and then the Gentile in a historical context, but when it comes to God's blessings now, that's not the case now. It's we're all one. We're the Jews became an engrafted vine, and we became basically one 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 group of people. You know, Paul refers to us us Gentiles as, as believers as children of Abraham. You know, going back to Eric, he's he's he said, "All oh, you guys are spiritual Jews," and there, there's a there's a truth in what he's saying. He's, that's basically what Paul was saying. Mm-hmm. We even we even see, and it's not even exceptions. We even see where God was still putting Gentile people in very key positions, and in, 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 even in the Old Testament, you, you know, you know. Let, let's look at actually Job. You know, when we look at where Job was, where you know where he was physically located. There was a possibility that he wasn't even Jewish, you, you, you know. It's it, it's, but he was still a man who honored God. The, if you look at the lineage of Christ, there there are people in the lineage of Christ that, that came from groups of people that God forbid Jews to intermingle with or and to intermarry with. You, you know what's and what's one of those? What's one of those people? Ruth. Yes. Judah's wife, uh, Tamar, she was she was from the same group. You, 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 you know, I'm, was uh, no, she was she was yeah, but she she tricked him into marrying her. She was she was Tamar. What what was Ruth? She was uh, it was it was it was she was from the group that was one of Lot's daughters. The Moabites. They were Moabites. Tam, Tamar and, and Ruth were both Moabites. And they were, the, particularly about midway in the Old Testament, God even forbid Jews to marry Moabites. But, but basically the great-grandmother of King David was a Moabite. You, you know, so, so even when there was the, the, the separations that God was using to protect his people, God still, and this again comes back to his sovereignty, you know he's not. You know he can put people in, in the lineage of Christ, and we've Rahab is a big. 
Who in the world would have ever imagined a prostitute being in the lineage of Messiah? You, you, you know, and, and that's, I mean, let that sink in for a little bit. You know, God, God, God isn't just, he doesn't, he wasn't a respecter of people just because of their lineage. You know, they, he did protect them, but, but he did, he, he did people like Tamar, Tamar and, and, and Ruth and, and possibly Job. You know, these are people that were probably outside of that circle that, that he still, he did amazing things with. You know, and, and God, God is not bound by, by you know, genealogy. He's not bound by anything. You know, and that's that's the beautiful thing about sovereignty. He will he will work within his own rules. But even knowing that he was he was forbidding the Jewish people to intermarry with Moabites at that time, it was it was primarily because most usually when the Jewish people connected hooked up with Moabites, they started worshiping idols. You, you know, so there was reasons why he. It wasn't that he hated Moabites, but but at that time, the the, the Moabite people had a way of leading the Jewish people astray. He, you know, it, it's he didn't hate this, these groups of people, but he realized they were dangerous to the bloodline. You know, you know, and protecting protecting the bloodline of the Messiah. Oh, it got it got contaminated with Adam. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, from there on, it was just we went downhill from there. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's in the lineage of David and of Christ. I mean, it actually does. You can trace it back. You know, we talk about Abraham kind of being the beginning of the of the Jewish people, but I mean, you can you can trace the lineage of Christ even before Abraham, because Abraham had a daddy, and Abraham's daddy had a daddy, and all the way up to Adam. So Adam was, Adam was the beginning. He was the beginning. He, he, was, he, he, was, he was the first man, and he was also, you know, who, who, whose decisions brought sin on the world. That's why Paul talks about Jesus and, and, and Adam is, you know, basically the first Adam and the second Adam. You know, the first one brought condemnation of the world. The second one brought redemption of the world. You know, and it's, it's but the Old Testament, it just paints this beautiful picture of, of, of God's faithfulness to an unfaithful people. And, and to be honest, we still see that in the New Testament. We still see that in the church now. Hmm? Oh, absolutely. And and, I, and and it's just my opinion. I think I think that a the the honoring the, that promise he made to Abraham, and b that that protection of the bloodline of Messiah. I think that had a lot to do with you know the, those separations. You know why? You know why did they? Why did he even make them eat different stuff? You know, again, this comes back to. You know, when I was you know, earlier in my faith, I thought, well, that makes sense. You, you know, they were in the wilderness and, you know, things like pork, if you don't cook it right, you can get sick and die, yada, yada, you, you know. So I came up with all these reasons. But as I've studied deeper and deeper and deeper and got into it deeper and deeper and deeper, and deeper I, I realized some of these things were just, I believe, meant to keep them absolutely separate. You, you, you know, where it was, the this, this separation was wasn't supposed to be, you know, like Sue loves, Sue loves coloring. 
and you can get these blending pencils and you can blend the colors of the lines. You, you, you know, God does. God didn't want you know there to be a blending pencil being used with his with his people. He wanted a very distinct line, and, and, and you know, right down to the way they dressed, to the things that they ate. And you, you know, he. I think he wanted them to be able to, if if they would walk into a crowd of of, of, of pagans, you know, just by the way they dress and the, the things they were eating. I, I think he wanted them to be able. To, well, that's a group of Jews right there. You know, I think I think that's how much separation he wanted, and, and a lot of that I think still had to go to, to, you know, you know, him honoring his relationship with Abraham and, and doing whatever he needed to do to make sure that that promise was fulfilled, and, and that's exactly what he did. You know, I, th- I think those, I think the separations were protections, and and that's. That's kind of the way the law works. Even even now, when we're told not to do things or do this or don't do that, you, you know, it's it's protections. It's it's teaching us, you know, what you know what needs to be done to to not only honor God but to keep us safe. The law keeps us safe, and and, and that's that's a thing that people really don't, you know, it, kind of flipping this over to the natural world. And there's so many people don't like cops because they, they don't like the law because it's restrictive. But the laws are out there and they exist to keep you safe. The, the reason there's a speed limit is because when you drive super, super fast, there's a better chance you're going to run into a tree and kill yourself or somebody else. You, you, you know, and, and interesting enough, especially in Commonwealth states, the law often aligns very well with Scripture. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny how do not kill, do not steal, you know, those, those are in all, all states. But, but, but those laws are for protections. It's not that God does not want to restrict our freedom. He wants us to be safe, though. You know, and that, that, that's, so the law exists even today to keep us safe, even though when we mess up, the, the punishment for that now, now no longer falls on their shoulders, it falls on the shoulders of Christ. But the law still exists, and it still exists to keep us safe. Just, just like, uh, uh-huh. I just want to say, Tamar wasn't Judah's wife. He just fathered twins by her. He was married to one of his sons. Oh, she was in the bloodline. Yeah, you're right. Go ahead. She was in the line. It's, it's her, her children are in, in the lineage of Christ. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Jews and Gentiles still, some of them, battle each other. Don't like each other because the Jews said they, of course, they were expecting the Messiah to deliver them from their oppressors. They, the Gentiles were their oppressors, so that threw things into. Well, the the Jewish people who still don't think that that Christ was Messiah. They're still looking for that. And, and that's the whole thing with the Antichrist, that stumbling block. You, you, you know, he's, he's going to be kind of the, he's going to be the, it's time to pay the piper because you've rejected Christ. Well, if you didn't accept the real one, well, here's a fake one. He's going to lead you down dark roads again. You, you know, and that's, that's and, and of course the Antichrist, he seems to be a big thing and. He's, you know, popular, you know, in movies and stuff again, because everybody really kind of looking at, at this thing. But he, it's, it's going to—he's going to be a scary dude. And, and the Jews who do not understand that Christ is Messiah, when they build the third temple and he says, "I am God," they're going to believe it. They're going to buy into it. 
It's like skull. It was all over again. It does come to an end, though. We see a hundred. We know there's 144,000 that get sealed. So, so after after three fourths of the world gets destroyed in a, in a small period of time, there will be a remnant of Jewish people who understand, you know, Christ is Messiah. And, and then, of course, after that, then the millennial reign, you know, a thousand years of peace, and. And then a short period later, where the devils let loose again, and then judgment will come. So, so, and and then this coming, the cycle does end. We we see where it ends. I'm not really a a big eschatological person, but if you look at if you look at particularly Daniel when he's talking about the bears from the bear from the north coming down to swallow up, you, you know what, what's Russia's kind of their what's kind of their symbolism even to this day? It's it's a bear, you, you know. So Russia may very well, you know, be have a role in that. The the only thing that I've I've looked at that I, I people have a tendency of somehow bringing the United States into that equation in the Daniel, and, and I just don't see it. You, you know, but what I do see, because I have seen Christian movies made where the Americans come over and, and, and help the Israeli people in Armageddon, and we're part of the, you know, the heroes. That's nowhere in Scripture. The you know, Bible tells us that every nation, every nation will, will be against Israel. You know, so if we still exist as a country, when this happens, we're going to be on the wrong side. Fortunately, because I'm a pre-tribulation rapture guy, I'm going. You know, that's not going to be on. That's not going to. If if I'm right, that's not going to be. You know, on our hands. You know, it's going to be people who are left here. But but the United States is is not going to. If they still, if the United States still exists when that when that happens, we're, we're going to be on the wrong side. It's, we just are. Everybody is. I mean that's it's been it was foretold that way, and I and I hope we are still around at that point. But I mean we're we're coming unraveled. Uh, I mean we really really are. What, which, which here's one of my history folks. Which, which uh, Russian leader was it that said that uh, we'd be taken over without a single shot being fired? My my, uh, it was before that. It was it was during? It was earlier. It was early. But but we kind of see that happening. I think it might. It could have been Khrushchev. It might have even been before that. It would have been early in the history of the Soviet Union. And it's but it's we see that happening. So I hate to think that something would ever happen to us before that that time. But I mean, who knows? Could be. That's one of these things that we'll have to we'll have to Google it and, and say, hey, next week this is this is who it was. Well,
And that's a very good possibility, and I'll tell you what. And this is something that I, I never gave anything thought. This, this is where Eric's always, always he plants these seeds in my head, and they, they, it just, I, I wrestle with some of it, But it, it's, it's really cool that way. You know, Mikel's a deck. You know, here's, here's, here's somebody that's very closely connected. We, we know that, 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 you know, Abraham would tithe to this guy. Who is this guy? You, you know, how... But but Mikhelzadek actually interpreted. I think it was King of Glory. Uh, I mean, it's something along that lines. And, and how did God get to know? I mean, how did Abraham get to know God? So that they're there, you know, did, did all of a sudden there was just some voice in the wilderness, and they started having conversations, or did he? Did Abraham see a pre-incarnate Christ? And have conversations with him and recognize him as Lord. I, those are answers I don't have, but it makes you think, you, you know, because he had he had more than just a casual conversation or a casual relationship with God. God based a, a covenant you know, that has lasted for centuries based on that relationship. Children, yeah. Child, the, the, the particular one that was called Lord says, Is there anything hard for you? you know? Oh, and not too far down the road. You, you know, what do we see with Joshua? When Joshua was approaching Jericho, you know, and and a guy, he runs into a guy with a, with a drawn sword, and he says, are you for me or, or for us or against us? And he says, I'm neither. I'm, 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 the, I'm, I'm the leader of the, of the army of God. And, 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 you know, and I think I talked about this in a sermon. Well, who do we know from Revelation is the leader of the armies of God? It's Christ himself. You know, and that's... It was it was Khrushchev. It was. There's there's a lot of wisdom in that. Something we need to pay, be paying attention to. I know it has nothing to do with the Bible, but we as a country need to pay attention to what this guy said because it's it's we're, we're letting we're letting you, you know these other countries tear us apart. And, and here's the best thing about it: you don't have to fire a shot. All you got to do is start sending propaganda through computers and start people thinking about stuff and. Huh? And the newscasters. And the news, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So what do, you, what do we know about the connections between the Old and the New Testaments, and how does Jesus factor into those connections? You know, how, how are they connected? We've been talking about that. I think they're connected because A, one is the, the promise, and one is the fulfillment. The 
I view the entire Bible as one continuous story. You know, I, I, I get where we put that break in there in the Old and New Testament. I get why it's there. But the story of God begins with, in the beginning. Not, that's not even just the beginning of the story of God. That's, that's the, the beginning of our story, in the beginning. Because God always existed. You know, he didn't have a beginning. You know, so our story starts with, in the beginning... And this is basically one long story through 66 books, 66 different books that ends with judgment and in the, in the, in the, where our eternity is spent. So then, after that, then there's a whole there's a whole another story after you know after judgment. There's a whole another story that there's no way in the world that it, this. Yeah, you'd have to have more than a hundred pound body. You, you you couldn't contain what what's going to be in eternity. I, I mean, it, it, it's just, you, you know Jesus Jesus even talked about you know if I if I explain things to you in earthly terms and you really don't get it, you know how how are you going to understand? We can't understand the the magnitude of what how our story continues after judgment. Oh, absolutely. He used it uh, to fight the power of Satan when he was tempted. Um, and of course, that was the only scripture that had been written. Oh, absolutely. Anyway. The new scripture is all about Christ. It's in the, the, the apostles and things of that nature who wrote uh, what God laid on their heart as far as. They absolutely did. The New Testament writers, like you're saying, make make those connections. Everything Jesus taught was out of what we call the Old Testament. Matthew, I'm, I'm, I, for some reason this number's sticking in my head, but it, it might be just a little bit less. I know it's more than 150, but I think it was like 176 references to the Old Testament and just in the book of Matthew alone. The the the, uh, well, the the writer of Hebrews, you know, even though we we're not one hundred percent sure who it was, you know, a lot of us believe it was probably Barnabas, but it's just like, what's what's he go back to? What's he talk about? There's no there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. The writer of Hebrews goes all the way back to Leviticus. He's drawing them out out, out of the law. The, the Paul, everything Paul talked about. What was the what we call the Old Testament, and how Christ fits that is is the puzzle piece that ties all of this together. You, you know, so all, the New Testament writers establish those connections because it's it's all one it's all one story. You know, we don't we don't have to. I've got a book. I got a reference book. That's it, all it does is reference uh, every time that the New Testament. Or the Old Testament is mentioned in the New Testament, and the book is like this thick, and and the writing is small, you, you know. So it's it's just like those connections are, are amazing. I saw a chart one time where they had where they kind of spread it out the sixty six books, and they put little lines, and and it's just like it looked like one big rainbow because it was just you know all these lines. It was just these these connections are just made over and over and over, and it's another reason why 
it's another reason why we know that the Bible is absolutely divinely inspired because I don't care I, I don't care who you are. There's not, you couldn't get these different groups of writers and to make all these connections all by themselves with these ancient records without the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Do I think they were smart? Oh, they were absolutely smart. They could have spent a lifetime maybe to pull that off, but, we're, but for them to write in a relatively short period of time books or letters that makes that type of connection to the Old Testament, you know, God was making a point. You know, these things are, these two testaments, as we call them, are very intimately connected. You can't have one without the other. So it's, it's one of these things that if there was a standalone, it would be the New Testament because it has the life of Christ. But you can't understand the life of Christ without the Old Testament. You just can't. There's, there's several things that, that, that he fulfilled. There, there's several ways that he fulfilled the law. I I'm, I'm, certainly was not contesting that. The, the, he fulfilled the, the, the requirements, the punishment of the law, all the predictions that were in the books, the entire Old Testament, not even just in Moses, right down to the point where, you know, the fact that he had, said that he was thirsty and what they gave him to drink on the cross, all this... Uh, I mean, everything that was in the Old Testament, he brought perfect fulfillment to everything that was said. You, you know, and that's the only, the only so there's a few things we see in the Old Testament that wasn't documented in the New Testament. And that's where you almost get faith, you know, like Isaiah. And I've mentioned it many times how they said they, they pulled the beard out of his face and he was beaten beyond the likeness of a man. You know, that, that wasn't worded that way in, in, in the New Testament. But I know for a fact because of how reliable this Bible is and how accurate these, these, these prophets are through the, the power of, the, of, of God, I, I know it happened. You, you know, and it, it, it's, it, it just did. I mean, that'll, I, I, would, I would preach his beard being pulled from his face with just as much authority as I would the fact that there were nails in his hands. You know, just because I, I believe that the eyewitnesses and the prophets, uh, they, they, I mean, they were, they were all in us. I mean, they were both equally accurate. Uh, I mean, I, I just, I don't see the inaccuracy. Led those writers, the old prophets. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the beautiful thing. We've got multiple writers, but there's one inspiration. You, you, you know, and that's how you can pull off 66 books. That, that fit together so perfectly is, is because even though there was a human author, there was also a divine author. You, you, you know, I, I mean, that's just, that's just mind-boggling, just to even think about. Mind-boggling to think about. It is. Number three, over in 20, it says, How much of the Bible have you actually read? What parts are you most attracted to and why? And what parts do you avoid and why? Is anybody here who's read the entire thing? Yeah, how much of the Bible have you actually read? 
and what parts do you are you most attracted to and why and what parts do you avoid and why? So, so how many people have read it from front to back? Wow, that's that's a that's awesome. Very few people do. You, you know, it, it's are there parts of the Bible let's avoid? What parts of the Bible do you avoid? Is there anything you avoid? Numbers of Leviticus. It is. Absolutely. Oh, it's nobody gets the names right. I, I, I can, I can honestly tell you there are times that if I know I'm going to read a passage, I'll go to BibleGateway.com. And, and pull up the scripture and have it read it to me so, so that there's a good chance that I'm, I'm in the ballpark. You know, some of these, I, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's tough. Some of these names, they're, they're not English names. It is. And, and the, the funny thing with all those little, those little tidbits that are in there, the, the they do all point to Messiah in some way, you know, right, right down to the to the garments that the high priest wore and the, what you know everything that it, it all meant something, you, you know. Does does the average person? I, I know I don't. Do I understand the significance of all those little things? You know, I, I don't. The, uh, you know, are the resources out there where if I if I wanted to dig into it enough that I could figure, yeah, it's out there. But there's just so much there. And I think that's kind of interesting with this question is you do almost have to pick and choose. Because if you imagine, you know, there was um, Andy Stanley t- does not teach, he does not teach, um, um, expositional sermons. You know, he does strictly topical sermons. And his point is, if if if, if you if you did the entire Bible, you know, in an expositional fashion, it would take you years to get through each book. You, you know, where if you, if you broke it down a few sentences at a time and built entire sermons around, you would never be able to preach the entire sermon or the entire the entire Bible. So, so there is a degree of picking and choosing. Even though I, th- I think a nice, healthy knowledge of the stuff that bores us to death, like Numbers, there, there's, there's cool stuff in the book of Numbers, but I, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's just names over and over and over, and it's tough to get through. Absolutely. There's a benediction. It's a priestly benediction, yes. Yeah, many, many people use that as a priestly benediction. There, there are things, too, in Numbers. You, you, you know, a perfect example, the star life on, on ambulances. You're familiar with the, the star, and it's got the, 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 the staff and the snake wrapped around it. I, I mean, that's, the star life originates in, in the book of Numbers. You, you know, it's, it's back with Moses. You, you know, when they would 
He put the, the, surf, the brass serpent on the, on the and, and if they looked upon it, they would live. That, that's, so that's where your star of life on every single ambulance, that's where that originates from. You, you know, and that's another thing in Numbers. So, so there's, there's cool stuff there. But yes, there's, there's parts in Numbers that are just really, really hard. You have something built. Absolutely. And also to keep yourself out of trouble. Absolutely. So, so it's, that's a, kind of a law in a nutshell to say for the guy that should say, obey the word. Of course, have to go back and retreat. Psalms is. When I, when I did my Master of Divinity, your whole path is pretty much plotted out except for you get like three electives. And the electives were books of the Bible that you wanted to really dig into. There was two I looked at super, super hard. Actually, there was one, I'll be honest, I took the, I wrote the, I took the Corinthian correspondence. Not, I should be ashamed to even say this. It's not because... Of, of the knowledge and the, and the wealth of stuff that's there, I looked at the uh, I looked at the rubrics and realized this has less writing than all these other classes. So I'm picking this one because it's my last semester, and, and, and I have no desire to you know make this any harder than I have to. The, the but there were two books I looked at very very hard, um, Isaiah, because Isaiah fascinates me. The problem is is and again. When, when you're, when you care about your GPA, you know because you're really shooting for this goal of, of, of graduating with the highest distinction, which somehow by the grace of God I pulled it off. The uh, Isaiah, I thought, if anything's going to trip me up, it's going to be this because it's so stinking deep. You, you know, my favorite passage, my favorite chapter in the Bible is the suffering servant. You know, and, and, you know, so it's one of these, you know, so my very favorite chapter in the entire Bible is in Isaiah. But, it, but it's just one of these things that Isaiah is so, so deep. Psalms was the other one. And I took a risk with Psalms. I, I, that, was one of the, that, was the elect, that was one of the electives I took. Because... A, so many people connect with Psalms when they need to be comforted. And so it's one of these, A, that's one of those things where, okay, this might really mess up my GPA, but there's something here that needs to be looked at because it's just practical in ministry, understanding the Psalms. And mind you, I, I, it was, I thought I made a big mistake the first day of class when I got this 15-page paper of all the different, all the different forms of of poetry and, and, and all the different types of parts of speech. And I thought, man, I, had, I really just hurt myself really, really bad. 
Unfortunately, I didn't. The, but the other thing, and here's the one thing that catches me about the Psalms more than anything else. Christ on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What is he doing? He, you know, d- does he think that his father forsook him? He, he might have been thinking that. I, I don't know. Nobody knows what was going through the mind of Christ. But I do know that David says that exact same thing in the book of Psalms. So Jesus was quoting the book of Psalms from the cross. So when the Messiah in, in his worst possible hour is quoting the book of Psalms, there's something that says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the risk. I'm going to really look at this thing. I'm going to pick this. It was not a pleasant class. You know, I'd be the first to tell you it was, it was difficult. But, but it, was, it was well worth there was a lot of stuff in there that you know doesn't doesn't have a lot of teaching use because you know when you start getting into the different types of psalms and how they fit together, I made the mistake one time of of teaching that when I was an open door. You, you know when I was talking about the different types of the different types of psalms and and what they did. You know you had royal psalms, you had you know messianic psalms, you had all these psalms. And this was on a Wednesday night, and I felt sorry for them because the reason I was teaching this is because it was I was writing my final paper for the class. And I looked out, and everybody was like a deer staring in headlights. They were like, I'm like, this is not sinking in at all. You know, this, this is, and it's certainly not that they were all very capable, very smart people, wasn't that... But but sometimes there there's there are things that you know even though it's really cool to know you know it almost doesn't have any practical use you, you know in teaching to you know the outside of maybe seminary students yeah I, I don't know but yeah it was painful and I, I walked away from nothing I'll never do that again I, I think I deleted that PowerPoint to be honest you, you know and that was a in fact I just. Uh, I just saw Mark. I think he might have been in there. You could ask him, what about the time that he did you know, Psalms on a Wednesday night? He'd probably tell you, if he remembers it, it'd be like, it was horrible. It was terrible. You know, I'm not sure, though. All right. So, actually, we got through three questions, so we did not get through the introduction. I, I told you I wasn't going to make any promises. But these are interesting conversations, and they're worth conversations worth having. But let's pray, and then we'll get ready for church. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for this discussion about your word. Thank you for this discussion about how it fits together and, 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 and how you've painted this incredible masterpiece with, with, with the word and, and the Bible that you've given us, God. And only you could write or inspire a living word that it doesn't matter how many times you read it, you're always finding something new and something very applicable but 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 still was absolutely infallible, absolutely inerrant. Only you could have done that, Lord. Lord, and we just thank you that you used these these people, these human authors, in a way that far beyond their own abilities, maybe even, you, you know. But but so that you orchestrated this perfectly with people to be able to pull this off. God, and I just look forward to a time when I'm with you in eternity when you, you, you can just give it to me in big doses and just, just show me all the mysteries 
all the mysteries I can't even begin to understand now. And I'm looking forward to that time, Lord. And we pray now that we can uplift your son Christ and honor him in our service coming up. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.